Well, welcome to our first podcast. I'm Tom Doyle. And I'm Joanne Doyle, and welcome to Good News from the Middle East. Our desire is to give you a little bit of information, a lot of inspiration, and leave you with a challenge that will help you to live for Christ in a fresh new way. And Joanne, today is Good Friday, and uh, what a truly uh, amazing historic Good Friday it is. And we're going to talk with our good friend Chris Mitchell in a few minutes live from Jerusalem. But this is like no Good Friday ever before, don't you think? Absolutely. And and what do we mean? We mean that here we are in the middle of this huge pandemic with the coronavirus. So you may be sitting in your living room or your bedroom or your office, and you, like us, are isolated. So this message is especially for you this brand new, fresh Good Friday that God saw coming before the beginning of time. Amen. And so we want to talk about the good news for the Middle East. You're seeing the bad news. And of course, we're seeing the bad news with the coronavirus. But we're praying for a breakthrough Mm -hmm. around the world. It's brought the globe to a standstill. But you know what? The kingdom of God continues and the gospel still advances. And you know, I have been thinking about through scripture in the last couple of years, this whole concept about the firstborn son. Yes. The firstborn. And we see in the Old Testament that the firstborn had rights and privileges and an authority that was transferred to him to be the leader of the family. So even when it comes to the sacrifice for the firstborn male, there was more um, things added to it than than would be for any of the other children that were born as the family would sacrifice to the Lord in thanksgiving for that person. So firstborn male, firstborn son. And then we go to the New Testament, and we see that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. Mm. And so this becomes not only a physical uh, connection to this firstborn, it's spiritual. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. So I was thinking, as we work in the Middle East, and our heart is with unreached people groups, that's what we do at Uncharted, reaching the unreached, standing with the persecuted. I was thinking about this. What about the firstborn male from an unreached people group. Mm -hmm. What happens there? Is there special protection? Because we know that Jesus, one day there's going to be every tribe, tongue, and people group around the throne. That's in scripture. That's set in stone. But we would have to think that Satan would attack and try to take that person out because he doesn't want the gospel to spread. He's obviously wanting to stop that. So as we've been thinking about this and praying about this, God filled in the blanks with a modern day story about this firstborn male from an unreached people Mm -hmm. group. So Amir is one of our leaders in the Middle East, and he was privileged to work with an unreached people group. As far as anyone knows, mission researchers, people within the country in the Middle East, they didn't know of one believer that had come from this unreached people group in 100 to 200 years. Mm. But then it happened. And this was a man that his father was an imam. It was a split-off religion from Islam. Mm -hmm. And he started to have dreams about Jesus. He reached out to Amir. He ends up, he comes to faith in Christ And it's an amazing breakthrough. And everybody celebrates in heaven, right? Right. But on earth, not so fast. Mm -hmm. The devil would try to break this up. Uh, He would try to inspire people to take him out. And so Jamal is the firstborn 
male of this people group, and immediately people wanted to kill him. Mm. So his brother started to reach out to him and talk to him and debate him, and this went on for weeks and weeks and finally months, and finally his brother made a stand and said, I'm going to kill you in three days if you don't come back to our religion. I'll kill you. Wow. Three days, I'll come to your house, and you will be dead. And and so, praise God, Jamal says, I, I'm not going back. I, I'm with Jesus now. Three days later, Amir was in a different part of the country and called to check on Jamal. And he said, how are you doing? What happened to your brother? Has he been there? What's going on? And Jamal said, oh, my brother, uh, he died. Oh, my gosh. And Amir says, he, he died? Yeah, yeah, he died. How did he die? Well, he had cancer before and it was gone. But then it came back and he just died. He, he died today. Wow, that's an amazing thing. Well, it didn't end there. Right after that, his brother-in-law, Jamal's brother-in-law, mm -hmm. comes and he starts to debate. And he starts to try to pull him back like a magnet to their religion. And over time, he gets frustrated and he says, Jamal, in three days, you're going to die. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to kill you if you do not repent and come back to our religion. And Jamal again says, I'm not coming. I'm with Jesus mm -hmm. now. So three days later, uh, Amir is in another part of Syria, and he is um, just wondering, what's happened? I, I wish I could be there with Jamal, but I'm so far away. He's north, and I'm south, and, and I wonder what happened. And he calls him, and he says, uh, Jamal, what happened today? Has he been there, your brother-in-law? And he said, no, he hasn't been here. And he said, okay, are you safe? And he said, yeah, I'm safe. And he died today. Gosh. <laughs> and Amir says, he died? What, what happened? He had an unexpected heart attack and died today. What, was he healthy? Well, yeah, he was, but, but he died. Amazing. And it went on from there, Joanne. There were two in his family. There was two imams that threatened to kill him. Wow. They died. A mayor and another friend that threatened to kill Jamal. Oh, my gosh. Six people were taken out by God. Six people. Wow. What's the story today? What's the situation there? Well, in this Middle Eastern country, right in the heart of Islam and all these different unreached people groups, Jamal is serving the Lord, and over 400 people mm. have come to faith in Christ in his, his people group. Wow. And I think what amazes me, and why I thought of this today, Joanne, was because today's Good Friday. Mm -hmm. Today's the day when we think about the Lord's Supper, when we think about the death of Jesus on the cross. And when there were finally enough believers of this people group that were no longer unreached, just a few banding mm -hmm. together, studying the Bible, growing in their faith, they had the Lord's Supper mm -hmm. for the first time. Oh and Amir tells the story about Jamal. Since he was the first believer, he held the plate with the bread mm -hmm. and the juice and served it to just a handful of believers. And as he did, his hands were shaking. Mm -hmm. They were shaking. This meant so much to him that the juice was spilling over the cup. Mm -hmm. And he was going to each person saying, this is the body. This is the blood of Jesus and serving it to them. And so think about that today on Good Friday. We have been privileged for us that have been believers for years to 
partake about the Lord's、mm-hmm. Supper to understand、mm-hmm. right. it. Jamal was the first、wow. in over a hundred years in his entire people group, but Jesus broke through, and they're growing and they're coming to faith in Christ and they're fearless.、Mm. And his wife has picked that up. Yeah, she、mm. is fearless. Their children, the people, and it's growing. And the threats are still there, but they're not backing down. What an amazing story! Wow, gosh, you know just what you're saying, Tom, with the whole idea of the firstborn son carrying the special, gosh, anointing. I'm not sure what、yeah. the word would be, but maybe a special anointing on their life. You can see how God has so protected this man,、um, ensuring that the gospel would continue to spread throughout his people group. That is just an incredible story, so encouraging. I hope you listeners are encouraged by that story. God is moving in the most difficult situations. And that would apply to us today, is you know we're not being persecuted for our faith, but we sure are being isolated in our faith right now, aren't we? In the midst of this coronavirus, so we may not be hearing as much of what's happening, but God indeed is working. He is on the throne. He is not surprised of what's happening, not only in our country but around the world. You know, another thing I was thinking, Tom, is this year, this 2020 Good Friday, this 2020 Easter, it intersects at such an interesting time. Yes, it does. We are celebrating. Celebrating Passover right now, and of course, Good Friday today, Easter will be on Sunday, and then in just another couple of weeks, Ramadan for 30 days will be celebrated by Muslims. So here we have the Jews, the believers, the followers of Christ, and Muslims all celebrating their highest and holiest holidays at the same time, all intersecting. Gosh, that is not a coincidence,、right. isn't it? True that they say that in、um, in Hebrew, there is not a word for coincidence. And so, what is God trying to tell us? He is trying to, I believe, wake up the body of Christ. He is calling all of us to wake up and to fall on our faces in repentance, in worship, and to、um, prepare us. You know, Jesus is coming back soon. We don't know when, but we do know that every day we are a day closer to Jesus' return. So, our job is to share the good news with everyone we meet. So, may I tell you a story? Yes.、Um, because God is moving, and we want to encourage you. With that,、um, at the height of the Syrian war, I met a woman, and she was not a firstborn male. Of course, she was a woman, but her story is just as special in a different way. This woman,、um, she was older. She was probably maybe in her seventies. Her name is Shireen, and Shireen、um, came over、um, from Syria to Jordan, where I met her, and she walked with the few things that she could carry. In her hands, from all the way, imagine from Syria to Jordan, and she came over with one of her daughter-in-laws and three of her grandchildren. But the day that I met her, when we walked into their home, which was just this kind of hovel of a home, really broken-down home, sad. so sad, refugees, they had nothing, but. Shireen had so much turmoil on her face; you could just see the hurt. Of course, I don't speak Arabic, just a little bit shwe shwe Arabic.、Um, but she just went on and on talking in Arabic, and I could see she was sharing her heart with me. And our translator was sharing a little bit of what she was struggling with, and that is she has five children. Four of them are still trapped in Syria, in the middle of that war zone, and so her heart is so torn, as she's so worried and fearful for. The rest of her children and her grandchildren there, and so though we couldn't help on that issue, we could help Shireen 
to give her hope. We could help her to take the burden that she was bearing and to give it to Jesus, who loves her, who created her, who has a plan for her life. But, you know, Muslims are told that the Bible is corrupted. So if we would have walked in with a Bible in our hands, Shireen wouldn't have listened to a word that we shared. But on the other hand, we know that the power is in God's word. And so we began sharing stories with Shireen that day. I was with a group of a couple of other women, but we began sharing stories from God's word. We began telling her about the story when Jesus was in the boat with his 12 closest followers and a storm came over the sea and the, you know Jesus fell asleep in the back of the boat and the storm was whipping the water and the water was splashing into the boat and the waves and all of that. And she could relate. I could see her sitting on the edge of her little floor cushion listening to every word. And then, you know, the disciples went and and you know the story. They woke up Jesus and then he stands up and he says, be calm, be still to the storm and to the waves or to the wind and to the waves. And it goes completely still immediately. And after hearing that story, um, which again, the power of God's word, we began asking Shireen questions. You know, what did you think of that story? What do you think of Jesus? Questions like that. And Shireen said, ugh. Boy, my life is like their life. I've got so many storms in my life. I did not know Jesus could do this. We told her a few other stories from God's word. And then I asked her if I could share my story, how religion didn't work for me, how following rules did not fill the emptiness of the hole in my heart. But when I finally prayed and gave my life to Christ, not only did he clean me of all of my sin, but he filled that empty longing with love and with peace. And immediately, Shireen said, I want to know that peace too. And so through the translator, we shared the, the, the nuts and bolts of the gospel with Shireen, that she too could have eternal life if she gave her life to Christ. And so Shireen prayed right there on the spot. And I wish I could show you a picture um, on this podcast, but her face went from carrying just this heavy burden, her eyes scrunched, wrinkles on her forehead, just you could see the turmoil on her face, too, a face filled with joy and with peace and with happiness. All those wrinkle lines lifted, the frow on her brown lifted, and her eyes sparkled with new hope. And I loved it when I shared the story to say, you know, nothing changed in Shireen's circumstances. Everything was identical. But what did change is that the God of all hope entered Shireen's heart. And all of a sudden, that despair and the emptiness and the hopelessness was filled with God's peace and God's confirmation and assurance that he would take care of her. And, you know, that same hope, that same confirmation and peace is available to all of us today. And the reason it is, as we know as followers of Jesus, is because of what happened today on Good Friday, 2,000 years ago. Jesus on the cross, bearing my sin, bearing your sin, bearing the sin of the whole world so that he would be victorious over death. And then we know, you know, he's placed in that tomb. But within three days on Sunday, the women come and that tomb is empty. Why? Because Jesus defeated death. Jesus defeated sin. And now we have the hope of not only eternal life, but the abundant life here on earth. Mm, I love that story. Shireen's circumstances never change. She's still a refugee. Right, she is. She's still a number, actually, in the country she was in. But yet she had hope in Jesus. And I love that you ended, Joanne, with that story about the women at the tomb, Mm -hmm. because that really brings us to our next topic. 
And、uh, we were privileged to do officially our first book together. That's right. <laughs> and I want you to tell a little bit about it. But it's called "Women Who Risk: Jesus' Secret Agents in the Middle East." That's right. And the premise is this: these are real stories. This is not fiction. These are real stories of people we know that have risked their lives for Christ, and they were the mother, the woman in the family. They came to faith in Christ, much like those women at the tomb. They were the、right. first ones. They went back to their family. They could have been hurt. They could have been persecuted. They could have been killed. But we know this, and we say it all the time: women are the what? They are the spiritual gatekeepers of their family, and we see that pattern throughout the pages of Scripture. And even though you would think in the Muslim culture that women are less than, and they are the forgotten ones and the silent ones, in many ways they truly, truly are. But yet, God's biblical plan for women, and that is that they are the spiritual influencers of their families.、Um, women, you probably sense that in your own home. If there's going to be the Emotional part, so if I would say of God's character that one of us carries, male or female, it would be us women. We carry more of God's emotion, and so that just naturally rolls over into teaching and training our children and our grandchildren of the truths of God and His Scripture. Amen. We say that at Uncharted all the time. Reach a Muslim woman, reach the Muslim world. Absolutely, for sure. So we're excited about that. We're privileged. Thomas Nelson. We get to work with them again. This is the fourth book. That's right. But a... you've done all the others.、Ah, this is the first time、fourth. I've had a chance to be and, a、uh, part of、so、it. And so Thomas Nelson, and it comes out in January.、Mm-hmm. And of course, they're a division of Harper Collins. So we're excited, thankful for the team there. Also, with so many things happening in the Middle East. Muslims are coming to faith in Christ,、That's、like、right. like never before. We're getting stories. We're getting people that are reaching out. By the way, reach out to a Muslim in the midst of the coronavirus. Absolutely, they're nervous. They're frightened. We were visiting with some on、uh, Skype in Saudi Arabia the other day, and they、mm-hmm. were talking about the people around them that are panicked to death, no assurance of salvation, not sure what's going、right. to happen to them. They need Jesus. Pray、Absolutely. for them. Talk with them, and that brings us to our next point. We have some dear friends that are launching a new yes, ministry, yes, that's and right. And it starts a week from today, and it's called "I Found the Truth." And don't we all want truth in this day and age? And so this exciting ministry, we can't wait for it to be platformed. We've heard a little bit about it. It looks incredible, and it is called "I Found the Truth." Tom, can you tell us a little bit more about yeah, it? Yeah, and there are five stories of former Muslims. They came to faith in Jesus, and these are just heartwarming stories.、Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them were in danger, obviously, because of their commitment to Christ. But this has nothing to do with, you know,、uh, bashing the Quran or、mm-hmm. or anything like that. Far from it. They were religious, but they were looking for something more, and they found truth in Jesus.、Mm-hmm. And、Amen. their lives have been changed. Every one of them will just. Hit you in the heart. In fact, we got a chance to watch the five of them last night, and、wow. we were blown away. A partner、right. ministry sent them to us. Yeah, and, and actually, we didn't get to see the whole videos last night. We just watched the trailers, and just the trailers of those videos were amazing. Each story that I heard, and as Tom said, there were five of them. I thought, wow, I cannot wait to hear the rest of their story. They will pull you in. And as Tom said, this is beautiful. These are real life stories, and so our prayer, and I know their prayer at I Found the Truth, is that Muslims will hear this story. 
and we'll be able to relate to one of those five people and that God will capture their hearts and pull them into the truth. Because Jesus said, right, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Well, Joanne, a year ago, we were in Israel with some dear friends. Yes, we were. Houston and Wichita, uh, Kansas. And what a joy it was. It was just one of the most special groups we were ever privileged to take to Israel. And in 25 years now, I think it's over 80 groups, something that we've taken. It was a blessing, but we're not there this year. And nobody's there this year. So we want to go to our good friend, Chris Mitchell, Mm, who does interviews for Christian Broadcasting Network and the 700 Club, and has been doing that for 20 years in Israel. He's there, and we have him live, and he's going to give us a sense of what's going on. So, Chris, it is great to have you with us today. Indeed. Thank you, Chris. It's a privilege. Uh, Great to be with you again. And uh, Joanne and I are just reliving all the times that we've been with you in Israel and in Jerusalem, and especially during this time, there is nothing like the Holy City during Holy Week, is there? No, it's it's very, uh, it's unique when thousands of people come and celebrate uh, Good Friday, they celebrate Resurrection Day, Easter, uh, many Jews as well, usually when Easter and Passover fall on the same uh, dates like they are this year, uh, come to uh, Jerusalem as well. And yet, Tom, this is like unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, you may have been here on a Yom Kippur when basically everything shuts down. Well, it's sort of like Yom Kippur for four or five weeks already. So uh, typically when people come and they go to the Via Dolorosa, retrace the steps of Jesus on Good Friday, they go to the Garden Tomb and have the uh, Easter sunrise service on Resurrection Day, and uh, and yet nobody's here. And uh, but I think it's going to be a special time of reflection and uh, sort of like you had mentioned, a sabbatical for the world. And uh, Lord willing, they'll be reflecting on the death, burial, and Hallelujah, resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, that's what we're praying. It's it really is like God has called the world and especially believers, followers in Christ, to a sabbatical. Uh, Some of the things that we're hearing from believers in everywhere from Saudi Arabia to North Korea to Israel to America, it's been a horrible time for the world, but it's been a good time for believers to arm up, gear up. I think it just reinforces more and more Jesus is coming back, and the security that the world seems to afford that people lean on is really not that secure, basically, the whole world has been shut down in a matter of days. And you've been there, Chris, for 20 years. You've been there in wars. You've been there when there were terrorist threats um, in the early 2000s during the intifadas when when things were shut down. But have you ever seen anything like this on Good Friday? No, this is entirely unique, uh, Tom. Uh, you know, as you said, been going through the intifada and wars here. Uh, but this is a, a different sense. Uh, you know, this is an invisible enemy, and people have to keep apart. They have to stay home, and, uh, it, and it's just a surreal feeling. And just to think that several weeks ago, uh, the world uh, really didn't anticipate there. There, there might have been pockets, people that knew this was going to, uh, you know, spread around the world. But I think most of the world had no idea. 
And it reminds me of the verse, I believe, in the book of James that says, uh, you know, if you make plans, uh, you know, to do this or that, make sure you say, if the Lord wills. Well, yes. I have seen uh, dozens of, you know, cancellations, conferences that were planned and meetings, and I'm sure you could multiply that by the millions all over the world. People didn't realize there wouldn't be any flights, there wouldn't be cancellations, there's no tours here to Israel, for example, and uh, and it is sort of like a, a, a pause. The world has hit a pause button, and uh, I think, and my sister said this, it was really a profoundly humbling time uh, for the world right now. We realize that uh, our times, our days really are in the Lord's hand. Boy, that is so true. You couldn't have said it any better. You know, I think about this with traveling, and of course, we love Israel. Joanna and I have been there, I, I think we figured over 80 times now, and um, we love the place, <laughs> as you well know. And we did, we had one trip cancel this month. Uh, there's another one that's teetering. We had four on the books for this year, and just love coming, doing Bible tours, doing ministry, working with Holocaust survivors, Palestinians, and uh, who knows what's going to happen with the rest of the trips. We pray that they go, but one of the things I wanted to ask you was, on Good Friday, there is uh, no other place like it, obviously, in Jerusalem with, with the pageantries. There's so many different expressions of Christianity there. Uh, there's people going down the Via Dolorosa with the cross. There's prayer vigils. There's things inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, it's just a city that is alive, remembering the death of Jesus, but but uh, commemorating it in several different ways. What are some of the things that you remember most from the Good Fridays that you've covered when the city is just jammed and and people from all around the world are are literally walking the steps uh, that Jesus took to the cross? I, I think, Tom, one of the most memorable uh, times that I've had, and we did it several times, uh, my wife and I actually, uh, we have a good friend that uh, has an apartment on the rooftop right on the Via Dolorosa. So often wow. he would invite us to come and, and have a brunch and watch the processions. And down below, about four stories below, you see thousands of people from all over the world. And as you said, you see different expressions. You see Arab Christians uh, sometimes uh, dressed in uniforms, uh, almost like the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts. Uh, you see uh, Filipinos. You see some people actually reenacting uh, the actual passion of Jesus with someone dressed up as Jesus and Roman soldiers. Uh, it, but all remembering what happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus was uh, put before Pilate and he said, Behold the man, and he sentenced him mm. to death as the crucifixion on the cross. So I think that's my main uh, memory for Good Fridays. In fact, Tom, I'm going down to uh, the Via Dolorosa uh, right after this, and I'm going to try to reenact that uh, walk. Uh, thankfully, I could do it as a journalist and just retrace those steps and read some of the accounts and Matthew, Mac, Luke, Mark, Luke, and John uh, of what happened that day 2,000 years ago. Wow, that's going to be something, Chris. I wish we could be there with you. My goodness. Well, um, you know, when you look at what the world religions here, we have Christianity, we have Judaism, 
Of course, with Passover, that's converging. Uh, Ramadan starts soon. Uh, one of the things that we've noticed, and uh, I don't know if you're picking this up there in Israel, but Passion Week is often one of the worst weeks for Christians globally in high-persecution areas. It's risky. There's threats. We've had everything from churches burning down in Egypt, uh, bombs in Pakistan, to young Syrian believers being hung on crosses in Syria. And virtually this week, praise God, we have not seen Christian persecution break out. That hasn't been the lead story. Have you heard anything going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, and No, no, I haven't actually, Tom. And, and uh, I think somehow this sabbatical is quenched a lot of the typical uh, fighting and conflicts. Uh, I've, I've heard that uh, up in northeast Syria and Iran and on the Gaza border, where typical conflicts that could flare up are right now seemingly suppressed by by what's happening all over the world. And Tom, you and Joanne have done an, uh, just an amazing job of highlighting uh, the persecution of Christians around the world. And so you would have probably the best... Uh, <clears throat> idea of what happens here in Holy Week uh, around the world to believers, and it seems to flare up because of the celebration of Good Friday and Easter among uh, different places, like, as you mentioned, Egypt and uh, and some others. But so far that I've heard, there haven't been many reports that I'm aware of uh, in this area, and uh, and maybe that's, uh, maybe some of the persecutors can reflect, and mm-hmm. Lord willing, they'll be sort of like Saul's that would become Paul's, Saul who once persecuted the church, and that they could have a, a, a whole Damascus Road experience and turn into Paul's who would uh, advance the gospel instead of suppress it. Amen. Oh, wouldn't that be, that would be a huge blessing. Well, you know, I was reading in the scriptures this morning as Joanne and I were doing devotions, these nine unforgettable words of Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this not only is uh, uttered by Jesus on the cross, this was written by King David about a thousand years before the cross. And as we read Psalm 22, this is just an accurate description of the cross and what it does to someone as they suffer and die on it. And amazingly, Chris, this was written 500 years before crucifixion was even invented which is hard to believe, and it's just a detailed description, even Jesus' very words. And so the world remembers this. It it would be hard to find those that are Christians that don't know the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I just wonder if if, uh, people that are religious, maybe they're Muslim, maybe they're Jewish, maybe they're Christian that aren't really walking in their faith are are uttering those same words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why has this hit the world? Why has this pandemic taken over and shut down the world? And we can never answer those questions, but we know that God is certainly preparing the body of Christ for something. And I think it's a wake up and it's a shake up to not only see what's happening around the world, but we're going to get a chance through CBN with with your videos and what you're doing. We're going to see what it's like in Jerusalem today, and it's empty. The, the streets. Can you just describe like 
walking around in the old city, it's 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 got to be something that it's historic. Oh yeah, like uh, like you said, Tom, you and Joanne have been here about eighty times. Uh, there's really nothing like it. I guess you could compare it to maybe a, a Shabbat in the old city when, or may, uh, maybe uh, some of the areas, like maybe the Christian Quarter closed down on a Sunday. It could be similar, uh, but nothing quite extensive as this. Uh, most of the shops are, are shuttered. Uh, most of the people are gone. You do see, you know, some people, because, you know, there are people that actually live in the old city, uh, and so you see some people here and there, but but nothing uh, like the Easter week or Holy Week. It would typically be literally thousands of people shoulder mm-hmm. to shoulder. Uh, and like you said, you know, there have to be hundreds of millions of people saying those words of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's really the redemptive time for now is for the church to be able to say, you know, God has not forsaken you. He's still here. He's, uh, he's available in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I think this can be the redemptive opportunity for the church right now around the world to share the good news. Amen. Well, Chris, it is just an honor to have you on our first uh, podcast, Good News from the Middle East, and um, just live here from Jerusalem on Good Friday. How uh, how uh, amazing this is to just be able to communicate with you like this. Anything else you want to share with the listeners before we close? Well, just uh, first of all, thank you for your ministry, Tom and Joanne and your family, and uh, how you have reached out to... Uh, Jews and Arabs and peoples around the world and persecuted uh, body of Christ. Uh, you've done an amazing job, and uh, I know you have such a heart here for Israel. So, Lord willing, this year in Jerusalem, we'll see you again. Uh, hopefully the uh, restrictions won't last too much longer. Uh, but just, I guess, the last words would be from Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus, uh, he died, he, he was buried, he rose again. Uh, you can see the place. You can, uh, the archaeological evidence is, is extraordinary. We did a story today about Herod's palace where Pontius Pilate and Herod confronted Jesus. But uh, the good news is the same as it was that Easter morning, that Jesus is risen. Uh, he is risen from the dead. Amen. We couldn't close with any better words than that, Chris. God bless you. Thank you. It's been a privilege to have Chris Mitchell with us from Jerusalem on Good Friday. Chris, thank you so much. This year in Jerusalem, we pray. That's right, Tom. God bless. God bless. In our next segment, we want to just spend some time in the Word. And daily, I'm privileged to send out a one-minute, two-minute Bible text. And we go through books. And this is just to some friends and family. And uh, just get into the Word and share. Uh, We're also busy these days. But yet, we need to hold each other accountable. So when I send this text out, I want my friends and my family to be able to say, gee, that's a nice Bible study, Tom. Uh, Too bad it's not operating in your (laughs) life. (laughs) I want to be accountable and I want people to hold, uh, you know, my feet to the fire. So today, here's our one minute, uh, maybe two minute Bible study. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus' separation from the Father is forever remembered in these nine unforgettable words of anguish 
on the cross. On Good Friday, we remember the words of Christ during his suffering as the Lamb of God who was killed brutally for our sins. Jesus uttered these heartbreaking words as the God, as God the Father turned away from his Son and he experienced aloneness like no other human ever has. But as horrific as it was, certainly the cross was not a surprise. Heaven was not caught off guard and sent into panic mode. Jesus also was not a victim of the religious Jews or an occupying Roman army. This was the plan all along. Jesus' death was the plan, God's plan. And a thousand years before it occurred, King David penned a psalm that spelled out in detail what awaited our loving Savior on the cross. Ten centuries before Jesus died, and five centuries before crucifixion was invented, what was going to happen to Jesus on Good Friday was already recorded. David begins his psalm with these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. Know this. What does God want us to know? No psalm expresses more pain and anguish than this one. It was written by David as a song, and no sadder lyrics were ever sung. Mm. Verses literally jump off the page at us when we see this in light of the coming cross. Psalm 22 says, among other things, I am scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let him deliver him. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. My mouth is dried up. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. They pierce my hands and my feet. Mm. Mm. They cast lots for my garments. What should we become because of this? Through the Spirit of God, David wrote this prophetical psalm, and as gut-wrenching as it is, it doesn't end in utter darkness, chaos, or defeat. The cross is a symbol of triumph, not tragedy. If it wasn't, why would we believers wear a cross around our neck or get tattoos of a mm -hmm. cross? It would be akin to wearing an electric chair around your neck or a hangman's noose. We must never forget the horrors of what Jesus endured for us. But he won. Mm -hmm. Psalm 22 goes on to say, All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. All who go down to the dust of the earth will kneel before him. The psalm of the cross ends with these words, He has done it. Mm. And Jesus agreed with those words. Ten centuries later, he said it this way, it is mm. finished. Mm. So what should we do with all this truth that we learned today through Psalm 22 and Good Friday? For those of us who have trusted Christ alone as our Savior, Good Friday stops us in our tracks and causes us to sit still and reflect on Calvary. I love what theologian John Stott once said, before we can begin to see the cross as something mm. done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. Mm. Oh my. So powerful. Yes. Let that sink in. Before 
we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something that was done by us. Mm. Just one word change right. makes all the difference in the world. It's our sin that put Jesus on the cross. And if you have not confessed your sins to God and received Jesus Christ as your Savior, then the cross remains a tragedy for you. It's an incredibly missed opportunity. If you've never confessed your sins and trusted Christ as your Savior, what better day to do that than the day we remember why Jesus went to the cross in the first place? As a believer, I like to make this a day of recommitment to Christ each mm -hmm. year. Yes. You can do that too. Lastly, with the coronavirus pandemic, how many people are afraid and feeling abandoned around the world and across the street, our neighbors? Mm. They may even echo the words of the day. They may even echo the words of the day. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. And, of course, the answer to this is he has not abandoned them. That's right. He's not forsaken them. Jesus was already abandoned on the cross once. Mm -hmm. So no one has to ever go through that again. Mm, amen. He has done it. It is finished. Mm. Spread the news. Ah, amen. Oh, Tom, that is beautiful. Thank you for that anointed word from the Lord. You know, one thing I always think of every Good Friday, in addition to what you said that was just so beautiful and so powerful, is um, it is us, each one of us that put Jesus on the cross. And we do need to sit and reflect of that because we cannot celebrate the empty tomb until we have truly walked through and agonized the horrific death that Jesus died on the cross in our place. I remember years ago reading Jean Edwards said something that helped me to visualize what happened on the cross figuratively and picture this, if you will. There's Jesus hanging on the cross. He's already been beaten and so many horrific things that he's already endured before he even gets put on the cross. But while he's there, picture, if you will, the angels going in the past, collecting all the sins of all the people that lived previously and going and gathering all of those sins and placing them on Jesus. Then, of all the people that lived while Jesus was living, gathering all the sins of those people and placing those on Jesus' shoulders. Then finally, going and gathering all the sins of the people yet to be born, that would include you and I, gathering all of those sins and then placing all of those on Jesus' shoulders, meaning that the sins of every person that ever lived from the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve, all the way until the last soul that's created that lives before Jesus returned, gathering every single one of those sins and putting them on Jesus' shoulders. So then finally, when every single solitary sin is placed upon our beautiful Savior Jesus, that is when he finally proclaims to Telestai, it is finished. And then Jesus breathes his last and gives up his spirit to the Father. Mm. Or as David said it, he has done it. Amen. It's the victory. Well, it has been so special to have our first podcast on Good Friday. We want to thank Chris Mitchell for his live report yes. in Jerusalem. And we hope you'll join us again. So I'm Tom Doyle. And I'm Joanne Doyle. And this is Good News from the Middle East. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. God bless you.